Hey, Green Future Growers. Welcome to Season 3. I'm your host, Jackie Marie Beyer. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes for free or follow on your favorite podcast app. And let's get growing. Want to donate directly to the show? You can buy me a cup of coffee where your donation goes directly to support the Green Organic Garden Podcast. It helps for thing, pay for things like hosting the MP3 files, maintaining the website. It's super easy. I'll put the link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to the Green Organic Garden. It is Friday, January 22nd, 2021, and I have an amazing guest on the line. She has her own podcast called down the garden path that I think you're going to love. She's a landscape designer. She's got a ton of stuff going on. She's going to share tons of golden seeds today. So here to share her amazing garden journey is Joanne Shaw. So welcome to the show, Joanne. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, Jackie. Thank you. Well, tell listeners a little bit about yourself. Like what, where are you at? Yes. Well, I'm in, um, I'm in Ontario, Canada, so I'm uh, north of the border. Uh, and uh, I have an exciting garden story in that, uh, that's led me down this windy path to where I am now, uh, in that my husband and I bought our first house at the end of October, and then moved in at the end of January. And then spring came and everything melted. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, look at all these gardens. And what do I do? And I rototilled up. Now I know that I rototilled up hundreds of dollars worth of perennials and I planted all the wrong shrubs in all the wrong spots. And uh, I had to learn the hard way. And I learned how much my my mother-in-law was a tremendous help. And then I learned that I could remember, you know, the names of the plants and where they belonged more than I could remember what I did at work the day before. (laughs) So, uh, so I learned that it was something I loved and I wanted to learn more about. And uh, interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, a couple of kids later, I'm home more. I'm playing in my garden. I'm helping friends with their garden. And I still wanted to learn more. So I I went to a local university kind of continuing ed to learn more about plants, I thought. But it was part of their landscape design certificate. So then it was like, so design never really entered into my mind. It was like, I want to learn more about plants. And uh, but, you know, once you're four courses into a, you know, a six course thing you're like oh I should finish this and so that kind of led me to transition to landscape design and uh, I finished that certificate and I was working for a nursery at the time so it was a great way to learn to be able to help people with their plants you know you transition as you learned in school I transitioned from being like the cashier to helping in the perennials and then helping in the shrubs and trees because my knowledge expanded so yeah, and so now uh, their outside designer left as I was wrapping up my certificate, and so I was able to to take on that role as a as a landscape designer for a local garden center, and then I slowly transitioned to my own business. So I've been doing it for almost twelve years now. Well, no wonder you're such a wealth of knowledge. So I do always start asking about your very first gardening experience. Like, were you a kid? Were you an adult? What'd you grow? Hmm. You know what? As my parents weren't really gardeners. I have fond memories of my grandmother on one side and my grandfather on another side. Uh, My dad's father always had a vegetable garden. And uh, so I have memories then. I think mine was really forced when we bought that house, you know, it was like, oh my goodness, all of a sudden I have to, I have to learn all of this. And then uh, we are in a different house now. And so because I worked in the industry, really wasn't able to do a vegetable garden, uh, aside from a few pots of herbs and a few pots of uh, like a cherry tomato plant. But a few years ago, my at the time 18 year old son, our, our new house has a pool and it has one of those strips in a tiny backyard, you know, 18 inches between the fence and the concrete that I had a lovely display of ornamental grasses and river rock. And it was my 18 year old son said, mom, can we rip all that out and put in a vegetable garden? And I'm like, do you know how much work that is to do that? And he said, yep. And he did it. He pulled them all out and, you know, and we amended the soil and we've been planting a vegetable garden ever since. And so we're still learning. Um, It's always a tricky timing thing for me is to when the garden 
vegetable garden needs attention is when, you know, my clients are wanting my attention as well. Um, but, but so he mostly takes care of it, but it's been a really cool thing to do with your son and, you know, a teenager at that. And now he's 20, he's, he's going to be 23. So what's he doing now? Is he working on a farm or is he going to college or is he just living and working or yeah he's he's been working retail for the most part trying to figure out his next steps and now he's doing uh college so with the pandemic he's he's worked doing it from school home so he's home um both sons are home uh you know just trying to find their next step and navigating our, our interesting times but both my other son has finished a couple of degrees and uh and uh waiting for the next opportunity so well tell us a little bit about like i'm curious about some of the challenges that you've seen or some of the design things that you've done like what what's some things we haven't talked about landscapes enough lately on my show i feel like it's oh, been okay. a big focus on vegetables and i am you know really passionate about landscape design like people growing organic one question i do get a lot is what do i put on my organic lawn do you ah, get that question a lot? we do yes yes and it is i must say for us in ontario it is a bit easier to be organic in that most of the herbicides um and chemicals are actually banned here so we couldn't we can't use them any systemic any weed and feed those are actually not available to us as gardeners here so it almost forces us, uh, you know, we still have Roundup, which, you know, is a little bit different, but uh, the, the alternative, I think that's created a much bigger options for us to try different things for keeping our gardens and lawns organic. And it is challenging. Lawns are very challenging. And we get that on our show a lot. We always joke about, regardless of what topic we're talking about on our show, a, a listener will call in and ask about lawns. <laughs> Well, and the funny thing to me is like, I'll be like, well, it's basically the same thing as a garden, you know, compost, mm -hmm. mix some clover in, water more, mm -hmm. you know, use, use um, like a local grass seed instead of, you know, just buying Kentucky bluegrass, you know, just like, and, and they're like, yeah, but what do I go to the store and buy and put on it? <laughs> yeah. But what do I go to the store and buy and put on it? And I'm like, you yeah. don't need to go buy anything at the store and put on it. One guest, AJ Olson, came on and talked about making this like molasses mixture um, with water. I think it was like a cup of molasses per gallon of water. And he even had some like some seaweed to his, but he said the molasses and water will do huge things. Um, Jeff Lowenfels, who wrote Teeming with Microbes and Nutrients, that whole series, talked about just using water um but what 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 are some tips that you give your listeners um we really recommend or an organic fertilizer as opposed to um the alternative and for a number of reasons in that the um you know it's just a slower release as far as nutrients goes so we find that it gives you know where everybody wants that quick green hit right with the high um nitrogen but then those those grasses those those lawns then set, tend to struggle because then that you can't they can't maintain that so we we recommend here there's some uh, different organic fertilizing products um, to put on their lawn if that's what you're wanting, right, to kind of improve it. You know, the good old things about keeping um, it aerated and really addressing more of the soil. Um, and, and there's a fine line. Water is tricky because, and same in the garden, right? There's a fine line between too much water and not enough water. So having people, we try to educate people that the roots need to go deep and need to look for the water. And if you're watering every night just a little bit, then they stay very surface and then you're not really establishing a, a great root system. So I think that, you know, people focus on the green lawn and forget about the soil and the root system. And I think that's really important. You know, they have told me that about our lawn down in the orchard, that that's part of our problem. Mm. I noticed down in our orchard, the biggest difference is letting the grass grow taller. Mm -hmm. um, the taller we let the, the grass grow, that as it gets into August, when the rain kind of stops, like last year, I think our last rain was like July 26th, and we didn't get a rain okay. until almost October. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's eight, 10 weeks without a rain. 
and like so if we can leave it high um because it was like one year I, I, like the lawnmower ran out of gas and before we filled it up again there was like the inside of the lawn had grown was still tall and that grass stayed so much greener and where the last place we had cut it just burned up and dried around it and the grass that was in the middle like you know i was going around you know kind of square circle thing towards the middle um it was just amazing you could just literally see how leaving that grass tall made such a difference um yeah. as the year progressed mm-hmm. but what about like do you do things like talk to people about like what else could you plant besides grass like some of these perennials Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's been a common thing. A lot of people I'm finding many, a few trends in my landscape design business. And um, one is, you know, more vegetable gardens, which they've never asked for before, but pretty much everybody now wants a veg. Every client I see wants a place for vegetables, which is great. The other one is less lawn. So people are looking at expanding, um, whether it be a sitting area or, you know, wanting um, more garden and, and less lawn to look after. So what do you recommend for that? Um, well, that's often something I'll design for them is I'll kind of come up with a plan, uh, kind of balancing the both. You know, often people want uh, more and more of in the front yards, uh, wanting a little bit of a sitting area. So it's a modifying, you know, their front yard to incorporate that because even as much as they want to sit more out front, they still want a bit of privacy from the sidewalk or from the street. So it's a little bit of a balance, but which is good because then we can put in a garden that gives them, uh, you know, something pretty and it enhances the curb appeal, um, but also gives a little bit of screening uh, when they're sitting in their new sitting area. So, and in the backyard, a lot of people are going for, they still, people with young clients with young children still want a lot of lawn or as much lawn as possible but many others are realizing that uh, um, gardens a better use of their water and their energy and uh, and I also try to convince people that um, larger gardens are lower maintenance than smaller skinny gardens where they're trying to squish everything in so Where's my regular questions? <laughs> like that. Was that okay? I know. I guess you're editing, right? So, um, well, do you want to tell us about something that grew well this year? Um, in specifically in just my my garden, um, or my vegetable garden. Whatever you choose. <laughs> Whatever I choose. Uh. Or do you have some like basic principles that you like when you start to, when you go to a place, like, are there questions that you specifically ask when you start out or like any kind of like guiding principles? Like this is step one, step two. Yeah. I think for me, when I'm, when I'm at a new person's house or a new client, I, um, I really want to know how they want to use their space and, and that's really important, you know, if they're, if they want to spend a lot of time out there um, versus some people really don't, they want it to be low maintenance, they want it to look good, but they really don't, you know, they've got might have a cottage or just be busy and they, and they don't want to uh, spend a lot of time. So then I cater. So then if they're asking for something really high maintenance, but yet they don't want to spend a lot of time, then it's just about educating people about the best steps. And maybe there's one large garden instead of, you know, that typical backyard where there's a garden all along the perimeter of the house, of the fence of the yard, right? We've kind of narrowed it down and keep it simple. So I really try to educate people about that and uh, also about the right plant in the right spot. So people will ask for certain things, um, but let's say they're, they've got a ton of shade in their backyard. So something like a vegetable garden might, it might be better in the side yard or it might be better in um, put in vegetables around your plants in the front yard. So really looking at the big picture um, to make their lives easier. I know so many people struggle with trying to grow things in less than perfect light conditions, but never consider, um, you know, setting something up on the side of their home where they do actually get a lot more sun. Um, So I, I think I really offer that outside perspective to help people to kind of think outside the box from that standpoint. So important. 
yeah i always like try to encourage people to like your first year you really want to know where is the sun because mm-hmm. not only where is the sun but where the sun is in june in my mm-hmm. in our garden is a different place than where it is in august and mm-hmm. you might find that like it's either too hot in august and it's burning your plants and you're going to need to add shade there or vice versa all of a sudden your plants that were getting plenty of sun in june are not getting that sun in august or you know it, it's like lower in the sky so they're still getting some but they're not getting as much sun or i was just talking to jesse frost and he was talking about how was it the beets like could use some diffused sun mm-hmm. towards august because they're getting too hot and so they kind of put like a shade cloth up um in summer they do fine in the spring and the fall in the shoulder seasons but you know so like knowing where your sun is at what time of year too I think can make a difference. Yeah, it really can. I think it really can. And I think also, um, you know, the big demand is always, you know, the first thing out of everybody's mouth when they first contact me is that they want low maintenance, right? And I always joke about, oh, I've never heard that before, you know, but um, I have to do a lot of explaining (laughs) and that, that, because they're like, I don't want the garden to be too big. I want it to be low maintenance. I want it to be easy to look after. Um, and whether it's an ornamental garden or whether it's a vegetable garden, but sometimes having them too small is actually worse. Oftentimes it is because I think if you actually give the plants the space that they need to do what to be the size they're going to be, you know, obviously you want to plant things at a reasonable size and, and the right type of plants for that size, but um, is less maintenance, you know, versus putting in shrubs and, and, uh, and perennials that are going to get too big for a small space. And you're constantly having to divide the plants and you're constantly having to cut back bushes. Whereas if the garden was eight feet deep, and that five foot shrub could be five feet in, in a few years, right? And you still have room in front of it for a few perennials. It's much less maintenance. Um, you know, people are all, and I have to kind of convince hardscapers too, as I often try to differentiate landscapers and hardscapers when they're putting in like raised beds at the front of a home, you know, often the homeowners say they want it to be small and, but, you know, it, they don't realize that 18 three feet, nothing rose three feet wide, really, for long. And that 18 inches of that wall now has screening in it. So nothing's going to do well in that wall. And then often they need to look up at their house and see the size of their house with the scale of that garden. And that really having a bigger garden in their front yard is much more low maintenance than it is trying to constantly trim back and keep everything in that small space. So those are some of the, the challenges I find um, as I ed- educate homeowners. Now, are you like in a city or the suburbs or like, I guess if you're a nursery center, you're probably not too rural. Like what what kind of place are you? Yeah, I'm just outside Toronto. I'm about 30 minutes outside Toronto in a city called Pickering, Ontario. So definitely the suburbs, but it's definitely a good sized city. And, uh, and I, what I design, I tend to work in what we call Durham region, which is a larger, so kind of a collection of cities. And so there are some clients that have more property than, and then I have some clients that have less property than let's say I do. So I do a real range um, of, uh, of landscape design in different areas. So what would you say is the biggest challenge dealing with people like, a lot of my listeners are interested in creating green jobs or maybe they want to become a mm. designer. Like what mm-hmm. are some maybe things that you would make, tell somebody to think about? Like I've been listening to uh, Nicole Burke's, I think it's called grow yourself podcast. And I've just been fascinated by like, she talks about when she first got started she would just kind of like walk around her neighborhood and she would kind of be like, Oh, if that was my yard, this is what I would do. And I Mm -hmm. thought it was funny because I find myself doing that. Like when I Mm -hmm. used to go pick up my granddaughters at high school and I'm sitting out there outside the school weeding, I'd be like, Oh, if this was my yard, this is what I would put there. Mm -hmm. This is what I would do. You know? And my husband's always looking at the vegetable gardens when we drive through town, like, what like what kind of thing is like i don't know do you have any suggestions for like if somebody wants to start a landscape design business like what are some challenges or what are some things that that work well or uh yeah 
I mean, I think, you know, especially if you, you're familiar with and you're doing stuff in your own garden, then you're often helping friends. And then before you know it, your friend will help, you know, suggest you to help somebody else. And that's kind of how I started, plus a good website. So I really have a lot to say about a good website. Um, so I, I think working at a garden center, if you can, even for a season, is such a tremendous um, quick way to learn. And gosh, you're helping. It's wonderful because you're helping spend other people's money on plants so what's better than that right <laughs> and people are happy buying plants they're not you know necessarily happy at uh, at some of the other big box stores or, or, or things like that if you're working retail but at a garden center they're 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 pretty happy it is hard work you know you are working outside and in the weather whether it's raining or, or or hot you know but it's a great way to learn a lot quickly and I think you learn a lot about what people when people come in and ask questions and you're learning about how to help them plant the right thing in the right spot for their gardens and I do that too I still drive around and I drive around neighborhoods or I walk around neighborhoods and I'm constantly um, you know snapping pictures about oh that really works and oh that size of everything that garden looks really good in proportion to the walkway and in proportion to the house you know and I and I snap some pictures or sometimes it's like oh that de definitely doesn't work and I'll snap a picture and that makes that a good example. So I think um, I think it's a great industry and I think there's so many more aspects of it that people don't realize, you know, from the horticultural side, from working in a greenhouse or working at a garden center, um, a landscape designer, um, maintenance. I think maintenance is, uh, is a really, looking after other people's gardens, I think is a huge need because there's a lot of people that um, really take a lot of pride into their in their yard but you're, they're not physically able to look after it anymore. And they don't necessarily, they're not ready to downsize, but they just want someone to help them with the weeding and help them with the pruning. So I wish I tried initially a few years ago to do both, do landscape design and do a bit of a garden maintenance business, but it was just too hard to do both. So I had to choose to stick with design. Um, but I see a huge demand. Uh, and I'm sure in many communities, would you say that the, in your community are people looking for some help in, in managing their gardens? Well, I thought that that would make a great business because for one thing, in my community, we have a lot of Canadians who come down for the weekends. And I keep thinking they would love to have vegetable gardens. You know, they're much more organic eaters and they, mm -hmm. you know, I think that would make a great business. I have not looked into it any further uh -huh. than just, um, again, like I said, what I've been doing in my head. And, yep. uh, what you wait you said something at the beginning about the importance of a good website yes so anybody starting any business i think the importance of a really good website um is key and uh i think that's how mine you know when i was working for the garden centers um they you know i would get clients from them and then you know this is my little secret was then they you know the homeowner two years later would call me back directly for their backyard design so then i've slowly evolved to now i just work for myself. So, so over that time, I was able to create a really good website. So when people are searching for landscape designers or garden designers, uh, they find me. So, um, so that's great. And I know it can be an investment and people aren't sure it's, it's worth it, but I think, um, you know, uh, it, it really is because I think then everything you do like social media wise and even my podcast, everything feeds back to the website. And I know I have a lot of, you know, and the podcast, my podcast certainly helps my website because every week some new content is on it, right? Which Google loves. So, so that's a, that's a bonus. <laughs> oh, that's so fascinating. Cause the one thing I've been struggling with Last January, I somehow clicked on some button in Google Analytics, and they said that people leave my website within 10 seconds. Mm. And I am just struggling with that, like trying to figure out what is it that they are looking for that they're going to my website. Now, granted, my website, all that you're going to find on there are the transcripts of my podcast, and I have a feeling that the people because I have all those transcripts, I get great SEO from Google. So when people type in, you know, how do I deal with bottom and rotten my tomatoes, my website pops up and they want to watch a video or they want like a specific blog post and all they find are transcripts from my podcast. So, mm -hmm. you know, maybe that's what you're talking about, like a quality website. Like I love my website because one, there's no ads 
Mm. I nothing drives me more insane than going yeah. to these websites that are just full of ads where you can't even read an article. Like mm-hmm. you go to these recipe websites and you're oh just my, like, yeah. blah blah blah. It's like get me to the recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, and pop ups. How do you feel about pop ups? Oh my goodness. So yes, I have no ads and no pop ups. Like nothing pops up to say. I do have a newsletter that I'd love people to subscribe for, uh, subscribe to, but I don't, I refuse to have a pop-up that Me says, too. you know. Me too. It's right on top of my website. It's mm-hmm. on the sidebar. It's plenty mm-hmm. of places. Mm-hmm. Granted, my web, my email list is tiny, but then I don't write to my, like, I always feel like I'm like, what is the point of like sending a million people to my website to say, sign up for my newsletter, sign up for my email list. I, I don't email people which mm-hmm. part of me is like is a good thing because i feel like i'm constantly pushing unsubscribe 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 i don't know how i got on your list mm-hmm. where did i get all these emails i don't want an email from you each week i don't want to hear about your podcast coming out <laughs> this week because yes. it shows up on my phone yes if i yeah. listen to your podcast you know um and i do have a fairly decent open rate for people you know that are on my list, Mm -hmm. but I don't have a huge list. So I don't know. I haven't figured that part out yet. Yes. Well, I had, I actually started my newsletter kind of selfishly. So I didn't really start it for other people. I started it for myself in that I would get every spring because, and I love my clients and I love their gardens and I've helped them, you know, I want them to succeed. Right. So I would get, especially once the, you know, the phone and the email, like it used to be phone calls, they'd call and say, I think something's wrong with my lilac. Can you stop by and take a look? And then it became, you know, email pictures of, can you look at this and what's wrong with this or what should I do with this? And then now it's text messages. So it's just a huge, volume of past clients asking for my help and I really wanted to give it but I just there's only so much bandwidth right so I started this newsletter where I just felt like I if I just told people what to do in their garden this month and what not to do that I was proactive with it then that would help cut back on the volume of stuff that came at me while I was you know busy doing designs for other for new people and installs and that type of thing so it's been pretty successful I mean my open rate is pretty good I don't understand sometimes I think oh it's such good information why isn't 100 percent you know isn't the open rate 100 percent but I know that's pretty hard to reach but uh, you know, I think it's been a great tool because people rely on it. Okay. And new customers too, that are getting new gardens installed that are really worried about like, okay, how am I going to know? Like, what do I do about this? And what do I do in the fall? Like, you know, you put a garden in for somebody in June and they're like, you know, I don't know if I, what am I going to do in, in October to get it ready for winter? And it's like, don't worry, you know, you're going to get a newsletter and it's going to tell you what exactly to do and what to wrap and what not to do. Uh, that type of thing. So I think it helps take some anxiety off um, the homeowners with their new gardens as well, as it helps ease my volume of, you know, on my time. So, uh, so yeah, so that's kind of was the purpose for me starting my newsletter. I don't know how you have time to do any of this. I know (laughs) my friend Patty, so she's kind of my partner in crime. We started this new thing in 2021, where we're doing like live question and answers on saturday morning and she's setting up a patreon page for us and we've been looking at other successful patreon pages and i see that some of them like that's part of the deal like for a hundred dollars a month you can get their cell phone text number and you can Mm. text them and then get answers on and and that's interesting that you're saying that then when people started to do that then you were seeing like the same questions come back again and so mm-hmm. then the, then that led to you you um you know coming up with the pre this is these are the questions you're probably going to have this month so here's the information ahead of time yeah exactly i was I like trying to that. like yeah i was trying to be proactive with the information because you know everybody asks you know after the after their lilacs bloom right okay when or or when the lilacs are blooming or just before they bloom like you know in may you get the lilac questions and and it's always the same you know wait till it blooms make sure you know you know you don't cut off next year's growth you know that type of thing so instead of repeating it you know many 
many times on emails and, and phone conversations, you know, I feel like I give it to them proactively. And if they don't, you know, the people who maybe didn't open it or whatever, if I still happen to get a call, then I still can forward them the email, you know, then I can forward them the newsletter and say, oh, here's oh, yeah. the information you were looking for. So it's not perfect. It does take time uh, for sure. And, but the good thing is that it's, it's kind of down. I've been doing it for so many years now that pretty much with our seasons, it's, it's pretty much, you know, March's newsletter is about, you know, I do a different welcome note every year, but pretty much, you know, my March garden tips and my April garden tips pretty much stay the same from year to year. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So the interesting, that'd be interesting to, way to, to find a way to, to get paid for it. But uh, yeah, and we definitely, we, we were doing for a few years on our show, we actually, those were our most popular on Down the Garden Path. Those were the most popular episodes where we started doing the last Monday of the month, we talk about what to do in the following month in the garden. So really covering the same things. And those often were really, really popular um, shows. And we did it for two years straight. So we felt like, okay, you know, last year, we, we were like, okay, well, we've done them for two years straight, what else can we do? So we switched last year to doing more of a monthly theme. So each month, we have a different theme, and then all, all weeks, you know, uh, relate to that theme. Um, so the information overlaps, but because it's a podcast, those two, those two years of those garden, you know, October in the garden or June in the garden are still there. So people can always go back and look at those. And how often does your show come out? Is it a weekly show? It is primarily a weekly show. We did take a, a bit of an extended break. Um, we did do one week in December and then we've taken a break and our new 21, 2021 season starts this Monday on uh, January 25th. So, uh, so yeah, so that, uh, but we pretty much had a, especially now that we're recording at home uh, and not going to the studio, uh, we were able to do pretty much uh, a show every week. Uh, so we do do it live. So it's on internet radio live on Monday night. So we do have listeners email in questions live during our show. And then it's released later as a podcast. Tell listeners the name of it. It is called Down the Garden Path. And you can find it Monday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on uh, realityradio101.com. So if you go to that website, you could kind of hear us uh, live on your computer. And uh, like I said, you can email questions and you, we never get callers. You can call us, but nobody ever calls now, but they do email questions. So it's always great when we have guests, when it's just Matt. And I do have a co-host, Matthew Dressing, uh, works at a local garden center and is a horticulturalist and landscape designer as well. So he and I, you know, between the two of us, we try to answer everybody's question or find out. And we have some great guests on the show. And, uh, and so it's great that we can have the listeners kind of interact in that, in that day with, with our uh, guests and with our list and with us. So it's, it's good. Um, and I, I don't know how it is for the podcast listeners to hear the question, you know, the questions after the fact, and we're pretty casual, we don't edit or anything. So it's a pretty casual uh, uh, podcast, but uh, we, we like it that way. So, uh, so yeah. I do worry about that. I have never had so many episodes in the bank ahead of time as I kind of like changed. I took off September and October from recording. Somehow I managed to get ahead. And then I took like December is the first month where I don't think I, I just had like some bonus episodes airing. Mm -hmm. And I just started airing season three in January. Okay. And I have uh, over 25 episodes in the bank, which wow. I've never had before um so that's kind of exciting for me but i wonder how that's going to play out but most of the content is pretty evergreen mm -hmm. and then i figure i'll still be doing an episode here and an episode there so it stays current and like you know in season i don't know we'll see how it goes i'm just trying to get off that podcast hamster wheel so i can kind of better serve my audience especially as patty and i are working on trying to you know get this grow live thing out there so we're answering people's questions and then we're trying to come up with like my most downloaded episodes are my garden challenges like oh. i can't believe how i was looking at the numbers yesterday and i was like oh my goodness there's like almost twice as many people looking at my garden challenges from 2016 2018 2019 2020 than any like all the other episodes <laughs> like it's just crazy but i need to come up with a good 
usually I've just been kind of like in 2018, I made this one called the garden goals challenge. And it's just like eight days. And I just kind of talk you through, like, you know, think about what do you eat? What do you, you know, what do you want to grow? Where is your space going to be, you know, visualize what you want, you know, make a list of smart goals. And it's very short and it's like eight episodes in a row. Um, and then for the last two years, I've just kind of just replayed those episodes. Oh, so yeah. I'm trying to come up with a new garden challenge for 2021. Um, something just a little bit different to try to, I don't know, just do something different. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then and then I'm really bad about marketing it. Like mm-hmm. I just put the podcast episodes out there. I don't collect emails. I don't don't charge or anything so yeah um but I also think like when people do a challenge they are kind of looking for more hand-holding more um like I always think back to those green smoothie girls where they did like a 30-day challenge but they like you know sent out a recipe every day for those 30 days and they like you know, would like jump on a question and answer live once a week for the 30 Mm -hmm. days. And like, they put a lot of stuff and then they charge $35, but they made a small fortune off of their 30 day green smoothie challenge. Mm. Uh, So I don't know. I, and then there was one year I did, um, the challenge was we have a free garden course. That's like, it's like three hours worth of content. It's like six weeks um so you know it's supposed to take six weeks to get through it where you do a chapter a week or two chapters a week or something and so that was the challenge was to get through the whole free garden course to make sure you read the book you did the work and you you know you got your garden off and that that was pretty successful that year but anyway I don't know how we got on this. I'm going back to my questions. Here's, (laughs) if we were getting to the root of things, aka the lightning round, do you have a least favorite activity to do in the garden? Like, is there something you have to force yourself to do, Joanne? I think pruning. I mean, I know you need to do it, but it just it yeah I would have to say I don't enjoy doing it so I I know how important it is um, at certain times of the year but it's it's never convenient right uh, to do it so I would have to say going out there and pruning is is not my favorite thing what are you pruning bushes trees yeah my ornamental yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. my shrubs and and uh and flower and flowers not not so much the perennials but more I I pretty much uh have lots of shrubs um, I, I, I love my shrubs and my evergreen, like you hedges and things like that. That's my secret around my perimeter, around my garden, my front doors. As I always say to people, having a, a low hedge is a secret because then nobody can see the weeds inside the garden. They just see the nice, clean, green, green hedge. So, uh, so yeah, so keeping the, the things that need to be pruned. Um, and they don't need it often. It's certainly, I don't, I think I've created it my, for myself, a very low maintenance garden. Um, again, more ornamental and, and, uh, um, but uh, yeah, so that I would say pruning, I don't mind weeding, uh, but I've gotten it so established and lots of mulch. uh, uh, So uh, I don't get too, too many weeds. There's always some that sneak in there, of course, but uh, I don't mind. So on the flip side, what's your favorite activity? Hmm. I think moving, oddly enough, moving plants around and kind of looking at space, that's the designer in me. So I'm always like rethinking this area and like now this Roseanne geranium is really taking over this whole area. And so now I need to kind of, you know, maybe shift things a little bit and and looking at. uh, So, yeah, I love just wandering and being in the garden and kind of looking at the different things that are happening. And my goal, and I always say this is the garden addiction, right, is that we want something interesting happening in the garden all the time. So so I'm constantly, and when I, I'm looking at my garden as a learning uh, tool to help my clients in their garden, right? So, and if there's like a two week period where nothing is interesting in my garden, then I'm like, okay, so when I'm designing, I'm, I'm missing, a, I'm missing a couple of weeks or I'm missing something, I'm missing some bloom time. So, uh, so I think, you know, I'm a little bit of a geek that way. So that's, <laughs> so that's something I, I, I like doing. 
and just puttering in it, you know, wandering around in it. Um, my most of my garden, I'm a corner house with a pool in the backyard. So all my garden is pretty much in the front yard. So it's it's uh, very interactive because every time I step in my garden, I have neighbors and people walking by that kind of chat with me about it. So what do you do if you're missing some bloom time? I think about what plants would work in that way. You know, is there a different plant that could work in that spot uh, that would give color or interest at that time of year? Um, and sometimes it might be even just an evergreen that would provide a little bit of structure. And I find if there's little areas of evergreens in gardens, then the plants around them, the flowering plants around them look better. Um, I always say that at the front of people's homes, you know, your plants will look good in front of the green, evergreen, um, better than they would in front of the brick of your house, let's say, right? So I find having, you know, making sure that there's, there's something interesting all the time. And, uh, and, and that might mean moving something from another area of my garden or dividing something from another area of my garden and, and putting it in that spot. Um, because I am constantly at the growers, but looking at new plant material and, and picking plants for my clients, you know, I always come home with something for my own garden. <laughs> so do you get questions about curb appeal? Like, I don't know about Toronto, but I know where we are. We are just like inundated with like houses are selling like hotcakes mm -hmm. yeah. i mean property uh, the the sales because of covid this year it's just insane i mean mm -hmm. and so if people want it like do you have any tips for curb appeal yeah i do i mean i think curb appeal is you know seasonal interest i think that is uh really important you know it's great and easy for everybody to have a pretty june garden right like that's so many plants look great in june but sometimes at the end of august not so much right <laughs> i'm laughing because like my son-in-law i don't know what you would call him <laughs> he wants to bring his new his fiance over to see our house and i'm like can't you just wait till june like <laughs> what you want to bring her up here when we're like sitting outside this freezing cold fire pit because we don't let people in our house just right now it's just too small to stay six feet apart and yes you know yeah. whatnot and i'm like can't can't it wait till june but he's just so excited for her to meet his dad and stepdad whatever oh, okay. and, yeah uh, that's funny so yeah so yeah, i think juice. June, right? So I think getting people to realize and that, you know, seasonal interest is, uh, you know, all year round. Uh, so I think that and that yeah, making some, because sometimes I get January. people that just, oh, I just want perennials. No, I don't want any shrubs. No, I don't want any evergreens. Well, then your garden's not going to look great, right? <laughs> For many months of the year. So really getting people to think, okay, the garden needs to look good, even in November and even in March, right? There needs to be something of interest. And uh, I encourage, so usually that's my February and March uh, a newsletter is like, go outside, look at your, look back at your house, look at your garden, like look, how, if you have snow, like look how nice it looks to have snow on your evergreen and, or if you don't have anything, then, then look at where you might need to add something. Uh, so I think that's important. And it's not just about, so as far as curb repeal, it's not just about the flowers. Uh, foliage is really important because flowers are fairly short-lived, right? We There's a few perennials that'll bloom all summer, but for the most part, um, you know, it's really thinking about, um, I like shrubs that do two things, you know, like a wajilia that's burgundy all year, well, miese flower in June, so you've got these beautiful pink flowers in June, but the rest of the year you've got a burgundy color to them, that type of thing, or something like blue meringue lilac, uh, is now a, a lilac that reblooms. So yes, you get you get that regular May June bloom, but that it you know reblooms again in August and September, which is unusual. You know, so that's one shrub that does two things. Uh, so I try to you know really introduce people. Ornamental grass is a great one, and that it looks good all summer. But if you don't cut it down like you shouldn't, it looks great in the winter, right? And it's food for the birds. So talking about birds and animals and uh, the environment is a whole other thing right <laughs> how is an ornamental grass food for the birds oh here the we have uh the, when they go to seed like the little seed heads we have goldfinches that eat like so i love carl forster as a, as a grass here um in our zone and uh i'll get go in the fall i get goldfinches that eat from the from the seed heads so, uh, so most of the grasses will provide us a, a food source for birds, and often you don't see them. Even my, uh, I have a, 
I know it's neat, it's invasive in some areas of the world, but uh, we have Barbary here and I have a Barbary hedge. And in the fall, when they get these little berries on them, these little tiny berries, the birds are in and they're not really even descript, like you, you don't even really notice them um, to look at them, but they're in there. And in the fall, the birds are in that hedge like crazy eating those. So I, I think it's great. You know, I think that's, um, that's often our tip these days is we've gone to moving away from clean. Everybody used to clean up their gardens and tidy up their gardens or put their garden to bed in the fall. And really now the goal is to, um, you know, just leave it and, and let the insects, you know, find a home in the garden, attracting beneficial insects to your garden that way. And uh, we don't have to keep it all neat and tidy. Don't you find that? Like, do you find that you really, you do keep up, keep your garden clean in the winter or do you, you leave things? No, we're leaving things and more yeah, and more good. and more all yes. the time. Yes. Yes, for sure. I hear people talking about that for sure. Yeah. But there's so many people that still, like, I think my neighbors think I'm crazy because they've cut everything back. Right. And they're looking at my garden that nothing's cut back and same with the lawn, you know, they're out there three times, a three times a week, cutting it really super short. And I, you know, we make cut it every once, every couple of weeks so that we can keep it. Or lawn, raking so. the leaves and hauling the leaves off. Yes. Instead of letting them lay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we did some mulching of our leaves and instead of bagging them, um, we mulch them with uh, my little weed, my weed whacker. I got a new weed whacker uh, and put, I had my husband putting the leaves in like a, a plastic garbage bin. And then we were shredding the leaves that way and then dumping them back in the garden. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people talking about chopping up their leaves and making yeah. leaf mulch. Yeah. And doing that. So, uh, so yeah. And um, so I think, curb, I think curb appeal is important to people. Uh, but often it's funny because they often say they want curb people, but they don't want to do any work. So it's hard to explain to people that, you know, there's still some work involved. Um, you know, having larger gardens is less work because uh, there's more space. It's easier to even get at the weeds, right? If you think about a really squished in garden, it, it, it's harder to work in. And I think a lot, like you're talking about like flower landscape mm -hmm. garden as compared to vegetable garden right mm -hmm. when you see that yeah because a I am. vegetable garden <laughs> i'm definitely going to say is way more work than yes but I, I i've definitely like in the last year or so really talked about the whole learning curve that vegetables is like a whole nother learning curve and if you don't want a lot of work that's my advice stay away from the vegetables i mean there's yes. some that are you know get fruit trees you know get things fruit that that's more of a perennial or bushes um but you know some of the vegetable i like to leave a lot of the vegetables to my husband and just stick to growing the herbs and the and the perennials like you're talking about yes and as i mentioned earlier in the show i pretty much every client I see is now asking for a space in their garden or in their yard for vegetables. And often that's the case. They're thinking they need, you know, a 12 by 12 area um, in a small suburban lot. And they don't realize that how much they can grow in a small space. So yeah, I do the opposite for vegetables. Exactly. And really explaining to people that they don't need that much space. And often they can do a lot in containers, you know, especially sometimes uh, young, young homeowners with, you know, let's say young children, they're like, oh, I just want my kids to, you know, see grow like a tomato plant growing and a pepper plant growing. And they want like a 10 by 10 area in the backyard. And I'm like, no, you can just put a couple of pots on the deck <laughs> and the kids can water it and, and look after it. And it's manageable versus what you would need to do for a 10 by 10, you know, or 12 by 12 or whatever, even bigger a vegetable garden in your yard so I think it, there's a learning curve in letting people know that they can accomplish a lot in a small space the other thing I feel like I'm seeing a lot in Facebook groups and people posting and questions is I didn't realize that my vegetables should be close to my water source mm. and it's like to me that's the number one convenient thing you should be thinking about if you're going to mm -hmm. plant a vegetable garden and you've never planted any vegetables whether they're in pots or you want that water source 
Now, my listeners are probably laughing because they know the biggest thing <laughs> I struggle with is watering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never water enough. So yeah, a small plant close to a water source. And I think that's why I do so good with herbs in my kitchen because they're right in the windowsill. So every glass that gets stumped and I yeah. put coffee in my herbs a lot, like the leftover oh, okay. pot of coffee straight yeah. in there. When I had my classroom, that was often the only liquid they got was my coffee because right. I didn't have a sink um anyway Joanne what's the best gardening advice you've ever received um I think the well received and give is the right plant in the right spot so really you know knowing your spot growing you know a rose bush in the shady you know north side of your house as much as you want a rose bush out that window you know that is just going to be a recipe for frustration and I get the people say oh I can't grow anything you know I have a black thumb it's like no you're trying to grow stuff in the wrong spot so I think really um, it's not just about how you know about what that you want to plant it and and that you've got you know it's really knowing the right plant in the right spot Um, And I think that has served me well. And that is something that I really try to help um, all the homeowners that I work with and and my listeners on the show is just to really look at your area, um, even by the front door. You know how many people plant a a small, cute little ornamental tree right by their front door, their front walkway, right? And what happens in five years? (laughs) They're they're ducking under it, right? (laughs) To get to their front door. Yeah, we're having that problem with an apple tree that has grown mm. too big and shaded everything else out. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite tool? If you had to move and could only take one tool with you, what could you not live without? I'm so glad you asked that because I went and got it from the garage. So I love uh, my cobra head uh, hook. <laughs> is that is that a popular one on the show? Kinda. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm so laughing I... because you said you went and got it from the garage. <laughs> I did because I, I wanted to make sure I remembered what it was called and that I well and that I uh, that I had it right here so I did so I love it I think it's great for weeding I can I can use it in the you know for plant like you can create small holes for planting you know your vegetables in the spring or anything that you're doing I just love it and I find it uh it very helpful um in the garden so it is my favorite do you have a favorite recipe to eat or cook from the garden you know, I don't. Um, I really don't. I I have my like I said, my son is more in charge of the vegetable garden, and I'm lucky that my husband is in charge of the cooking. Um, but I do have to say that I have I've never really grown a ton of tomatoes because nobody in the house likes tomatoes. My husband nor sons like them. Um, my the son that's a gardener, Dylan, he does like uh, grape tomatoes. You know, once he can put right in his mouth. But this year, growing tomatoes in our garden. Uh, they ended up being bigger than the grape tomatoes that I thought I planted. And I ended up stir frying some of those and my husband actually liked them. So he is now making this pizziola with, with uh, grape tomatoes from the grocery store almost every week. So I have to say that that is something that having homegrown tomatoes for the first time in his life uh, has really you know, made him into a tomato. I don't think he'll ever like the big ones with the sliced, you know, a sliced tomato. He still takes those off his burgers, but uh, he has come around with the cherry and grape tomatoes. What do you put in a tomato stir fry? Oh, he just puts like garlic and basil and he roasts them in the, uh, um, in the oven. So he calls it a pizziola. I don't know. Um, So they don't, they don't, they soften and they, with the herbs and the spices, um, I had just, when I had just done it quickly, I had just like put them in a pan just to cook them a little bit to have as a side dish. And, and he tried one and he's like, this isn't bad this way. And then he of course expanded on it and, and loves making up recipes and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, so it's been good because I've been benefiting from him adding that to our, uh, our meals, uh, as a side dish. So, uh, it's quite nice. How about a favorite internet resource? Where do you find yourself surfing on the web? Um, 
I had I was looking for what's a favorite. I don't know that I have a favorite. I'm constantly looking though, because between my client, like always educating myself for my clients as well as for preparing for the radio show. So I think I follow like lots of podcasts like yours. I think that's a that's a huge source now because I, I can I, I'm always trying to multitask, right? So I can do a, work on a design while listening to a podcast. Uh, so I think that uh, is is uh, a big source of um, you know, what I, what I've mm -hmm. been focusing on for information. And I did want to mention a bit about climate because that has been something that we've also tried to, to educate ourselves on. Matt and I never felt we could really talk about it much on the show because we weren't really educated um, about the different areas of, of conversation around climate. And so we've tried to, so one of our months last month, last year was a climate month and we had different guests on that could speak to it and we're learning. And so we're trying to add that, add, add a guest uh, every now and then to talk about a certain topic. Um, we learned a ton about solar in a December episode. We had someone on to talk about solar energy. Um, we have, we're looking forward to someone talk about electric cars in February, he's gonna be on. So there's, it's always so varied, you know? So I, I have to say that my research is always all over the place. Mm, cool, well, that's good to hear. How about, a favorite reading material like a book or a magazine or a blog or something um i love the gardening books and the design books from jan johnson i don't know if you're familiar with her heaven is a garden and spirit of stone she's got some beautiful no. books that are yeah they're beautiful books she's a landscape designer in new york um, and uh, I've heard her speak and I've met her and I just love and I've had her on the show early on I had her on the show as well and uh, they're just beautiful books and I love that they uh, kind of fulfill the gardener in me as well as the designer in me so definitely uh, love her books and she has a new one coming out too uh, so I'm excited about that oh I'm gonna have to see if she'll come on the show mm -hmm. All right. Well, you're probably like, is this interview ever going to end? So here's my <laughs> final question. And then you sure. can tell listeners how to connect with you and find all your amazing information. Joanne, if there's one change you'd like to see to create a greener world, what would it be? For example, is there a charity or pa organization you're passionate about or project you'd like to see put into action? Like, what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment, either locally, nationally, or on a global scale? Well, that's a huge one. Uh, I think there are many things, but I think close to my heart and I think something that's easy, quote unquote, easy for everybody to kind of participate in is planting trees. And uh, there's an organization started that's local right now and he's hoping it'll grow, but it's called plantaforest.org. And really it's to raise money. And then twice a year they go out and uh, you can, so you can just give money and that's it, you're done. You know, the money goes towards planting a forest or you can actually participate and go out and help them plant the, tr plant the trees. And uh, I, think, I think it's kind of like a grassroots organization. And I think it's a great way to involve, you know, to educate your children about, you know, then they can go back and visit this area and look at the tree that they planted five years ago, that type of thing. So I think that's something, especially in North America, where we have a lot of land and uh, the forests are need to be rejuvenated uh, every once in a while. And, and I think, uh, I think trees is, is a good place to start. There's so it's such a big and complex issue. Um, but I think everybody benefits from the shade of a tree and you know that that saying about when's the best time to plant a tree you know it was 20 years ago kind of thing so uh so yeah so i think that's the one that is um plantaforest.org and planting trees there's lots of different organizations uh all over the north america all over the world i'm sure world i'm sure regarding uh planting trees so i think that's a, a great initiative that everybody can take a part in Maybe you can send me the link to that website because uh, I don't know, for me, it's not coming up, but. Oh, no? There's something weforest.org. Okay. Hold on. Uh, I Googled it before because I wrote, I wrote plantatree.org, but I had plant, plantaforest. Maybe oh, it's. .ca. Oh, maybe I didn't, shouldn't have said dot. Okay. Do you want me to go back and say plantit.ca? Why did I write down org? No. Plantaforest.ca. Oh, oh cool okay cool you know my husband and i met at planning 
trees in the forest. Oh, very cool. <laughs> on a mountainside. Yeah. Oh, that's very so, cool. Anyway, tell everybody about your great website and your podcast name again and how they connect with you and how they ask a question to your radio show and and all the goodies. Excellent. Well, my website is uh, www.downtoearth.ca with the number two. So downtoearth.ca. And there you can find out all about me as a landscape designer. And there's also, I have all my uh, podcasts on the website i did prior to doing it as a podcast i did it only as a radio show so that all the old radio shows are also buried in there as well so i've been doing that for seven years um of course down the garden path is available on your podcast app so you can search for that uh, down the garden path podcast um and if you do want to join us live on monday nights it's uh, realityradio101.com you can tune in at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and listen. Um, we can, you can email us um, while we're on the show and you can email us afterwards if you've got other questions. And my website has all my social media links as well. So you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Facebook. We have a Facebook group for our podcast. It's been a little slow going to, to, uh, to get people to join us there, but uh, we do have a lot of engagement uh, live with our listeners and a, and a good uh, amount of people listening each week. So, so that's great. We've got about 8,000 listeners. I know it seems incredible that people are list that many people are listening to a gardening show, but uh, it's wonderful. Joanne Shaw, everybody. Woo! Thank you. Thank you so much, Jackie, for having me here. Thank you. You were just delightful and charming and lovely. And we will check that out and have a great day. Happy 2021. Directly to the Green Organic Gardener podcast. Help pay for things like just hosting the MP3 files, maintaining the website. You know, I don't mind doing the work, but I could sure use some help with like some of the things, especially as we've had to tighten our belts this year. You can buy me a cup of coffee where your donation goes directly to support us. It comes in just like $5 increments. Uh, it's like a one-time thing. I think you can subscribe, but if you just want to donate $5, if you want to donate 10 15 that'd be awesome. Buy me a cup of coffee. Thank you so much for listening. You're the best. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.